Black Bad Music Only Socks Make People Sexy.net's monthly discussion of all that fine audio stuff you put into your ears. It's called music, I think. Uh, we've talked about this for the last couple of months, and we're finally getting around and down to it. Today, we're here to talk about the latest chapter in Coheed and Cambria's long-running space opera, Vaxus 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. Joining me, as always, we have our good pal, Taylor. Hey, Hey, how's it going? You ready for a show? I am. All right. That's the kind of spirit I like to hear coming into these things. Everybody's methed up and just ready to go. We all <laughs> did our meth, right? We all did our prerequisite meth? Yes. Okay, good. Fuck, I did cocaine instead. I, that should get you through. Just let us know if you have any palpitations. Okay. Close enough. <laughs> and of course, we've should got... I, should we I have, take an edible? You, you can take an edible. It's fine. <laughs> it'll only enhance the conversation we all might be running on different speeds but it'll be fine i'm sure we'll get through it <laughs> and of course we have dad vibes himself psychic heist hello you're ready you're ready you're messed up you're coked Polly, up Polly, yeah you know i've been holding this one in for a long time I've been holding this one in for a long time. Like I let I, I let I let the fart squeak out a little bit when we talked about the album, but it's still there. So I'm like, oh, the relief is coming. <laughs> it's finally here. You get to gush. Uh, I'm yes. sure it'll be just complete gushing at how much you love this record. It's gonna be a journey. <laughs> and for the first time, and we like bad music only history. We got a special guest. Friend of mine and fellow VTuber and streamer, it's Dr. Doobie. Hi, friendos. Hey, hello, welcome to the show. Children of the Fence. Fellow Children of the Fence. Hell yeah. I meant to start with that, but my brain just completely omitted it for something. It's the meth. It's, you know. I have a funny story about that. I remember I was going to college and I had a Coheed sticker on my, on my car. And mm -hmm. I come back, I was doing something, I think, at the library. I come back to my car and there's a note. It's a family guy, like, notepad. I'm like, okay. And I read it, and it just said, like, uh, keep on rocking. We love uh, Coheed, fellow children of the fence. Oh, oh man, that's bad that as hell. That's beautiful. I, I actually, like, I went on a whole rampage this whole weekend while on vacation about... <laughs> About fandoms, um, <laughs> but I actually I've I've never really had a bad interaction with the Kohi yeah. fandom. Yeah, it, it's a pretty solid fandom. It's a it's a solid fandom, and consistently any show that I've been to, just the chillest fucking vibes. I, I've 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 said a number of times that the same vibes I get from Kohi shows are the same vibes I get when I go to a three eleven show. It's hey, that I, fucking chill. I met one of my friends from college. Before the summer before going off to school, I met this person at a Coheed show. We got to talking. We realized we were going to the same college and it was really cool. And then a couple, like maybe it was maybe like two or three months later, once we're finally like on campus, we we started talking and 12 years later, she's there dating one go. of my friends. We're still oh, a good cool. friend. That's cool as hell. Oh, it's awesome. Oh yeah, like long-lasting friendships in fandoms. Not something you find all that often. Uh, more often than not, fandoms are pretty toxic and awful and shitty. Uh, oh lordy, I've blocked way too many people this week on Twitter. Oh, I don't fucking blame you. But, to get into <laughs> our show, uh, I believe that Coed and Cambria is a band that likely needs no introduction at all in our circle. I think that 
Um, if anyone has hung around our parts of the internet long enough, they'd encounter <laughs> any one of us that, that have been flying the banner for a number of years. I met Taylor through our shared interest in Coheed on fucking Tumblr. Uh, oh, yeah. And this was back before the Afterman albums came out, so... Uh, along with just having a long Oops. history of enjoying the band's music myself, again, it's also managed to put me in some good company. Um, so, but before we take the full jump over the fence uh, into the album review proper, let's quickly get into how each of us came to be a fan. And since Dr. Doobie is our first guest here, uh, why don't we you know, take a moment, you know, a quick moment, let us know how you became familiar with Coheed and Cambria. Well, I've always been I'm I'm very much open to music in general my playlists like my random you can hit random and you'll hear anything from chill hop to like punk rock to Frank Sinatra to gangster rap mm-hmm. I have a very eclectic taste but it was high school where my friend introduced me to Coheed it was probably around Good Apollo volume one mm. you're actually in his car when he just bought the CD and I would say it was my junior year of college, or junior high school, not college. My junior year of high school, so that's what, 2006? No, seven? 2007, I think? Oh, six or oh seven, right, right around there. We were listening to Good Apollo Volume 1, and that's kind of where I got introduced to the band. And I've always been a, a concept album guy. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Pink Floyd albums is Dark Side of the Moon of and The Wall. Yeah. Yeah. They're just great concept albums. My favorite Nine Inch Nails albums, I always get a little chastised where it's like, I put Year Zero in one of my top three. Year fucking Zero is incredible. Album. That is a, a good record. That is an incredible album. Yeah, it, and it's a, I love concept albums. I love the ARG they did with it. I remember mm-hmm. following that because I was also into Lost at the time. Ah, uh, yeah. One of my all-time favorite television shows. Um, And then, like, you know, the emo slash prog slash poppiness, like the weird combination of all three made me really fall in love with Kohi. Like I, I remember listening to the album, like, man, this this guy sounds like a skinny white kid. And then you see Claudio <laughs> and you're like, holy crap, that voice is coming from Batman. <laughs> what, what a man. What a, yeah. I think it was two minutes to late night that said every member of Coheed and Cambria looks like the side characters in a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is really good. If you haven't seen that that video, it's one of my favorites. It's really good. <laughs> I, my, it, was, it was the In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3 album yeah. review he did. Yeah. That had me cracking up so hard. He's like, it's it's an it's an acid trip. That somehow a hit record, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what Coheed is, and and it's wild because like this album, we're gonna get into it, but like I listen to I listen to talk radio in the morning because I, I live in an area that has a really good talk radio uh, like morning program, and they had Coheed on, they had him in studio. It, it, this album's getting actual radio play, mm-hmm. which is something for a band that twenty years in doesn't feel like. It's just wild that they're getting radio play now. Yeah. And, and but it's much well deserved. It's so well deserved. Like, you know, and, and there's a lot of respect for, for this album and for the band's history. I mean it also helps that they are huge nerds and the morning program I listened to are also <laughs> huge nerds. Yeah. Like they were going off on 80s movies, B movies from the 80s that I don't think anyone's ever heard of. Mm. Yeah, that stuff's the Dungeon really Master. Fun. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was there was there were movies I've never heard of, and I love B movies from the eighties. 
but that that's just how you know claudio is such claudio is such a nerd yeah yeah and i'm a nerd yeah so it just there's a lot of reason i think that that's a reason a lot of people kind of end up dialed into coheed it's, it's just it's definitely a, a fellow nerd kind of thing like you definitely kind of sense that kindred spirits here you know you've written this space opera that takes place across eight thousand albums uh you got to be a big nerd to do that all the comic books all of the supplemental materials yeah uh that, that luckily enough you know the they are now i did just see that they have i believe released uh the book that came with Vaxus one that was originally part of the special edition. Yeah, that you had yeah. to like it. They finally released that, like, as a officially released it as yeah. a standalone. But the fandom has always been keeping everybody up and up on PDFs yeah. and things like that. So thank God for the fandom for that, because as much as I love the band, hiding, like, paywalling important lore, which is something that super interests me, of course. I read all the comics, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting on Good Apollo Volume 2's... I'm not on Volume 2, um... They're just finishing up Good Apollo Volume 2, I believe, the mm-hmm. comic. Um, but if it, that took so long to come out, like, <laughs> almost like what almost feels like 10 years after the album came out to get the comics out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but paywalling, like... Important things like that. Behind... Like, it's a part of the interactive experience of being into this band yeah. if you're into that. So paywalling that behind the very large and expensive... Uh, uh, collector's editions can be really counterintuitive if you want your fans to be into that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how you ended up through it. It was kind of like the high school friend and good Apollo 1. Goddamn, that's a banger of an album to start with. Yes, very much a banger. All right. Uh, Taylor, how did you come to Coheed and Cambria? Well, it would have been... I want to say 2004 because I was in seventh grade mm-hmm. and I was, you know, taking guitar classes at school and stuff. And one of one of the kids in the guitar class, a guy I, whose name I don't remember and I don't remember being overly fond of. Uh, was like sharing tabs for Coheed and Cambria songs, and I remember looking at him and like. What on earth is going on? <laughs> so I think the so the first record, this would have been just barely pre Good Apollo one. Yeah. So the first record I actually got was Second Stage Turbine Blade, mm. and it was kind of unlike anything I had ever heard of, especially because you know amongst the internet forums that existed at the time, Coheed was kind of just lumped in with emo bands, which yeah. makes. Other than being on Equal Vision Records, yeah, makes that's... no sense whatsoever. And I think I've we've talked about that at length. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, what were the bands at the time? Was like uh, with Thirty Seconds to Mars, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thrice Thursday. Mars Volta. I don't think Mars Volta no. qualifies as emo. I don't think. My Chemical Romance for sure. Oh sure, yeah. My Chemical Romance, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of like where Coheed got lumped into, and it's just because oh, they they have songs that sound kind of like that sometimes, especially on Turbine Blade. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess as it as a young guitar player, a lot of my musical tastes were informed by stuff I was figuring out mm-hmm. at the time. Although, at the point I was in in two thousand four, Coheed was still a little too over my head. <laughs> <laughs> just the. E- e- even second stage songs are a little 
are a little more than what I could have handled at that point. Mm. Mm. Good. So, so you got into the, your in was, Hey, guitar stuff. Yeah. Um, my end's pretty simple. Um, a friend of mine had in keeping secrets and he threw it on and I didn't immediately latch on until, uh, three evils embodied in love and shadow. Uh, mm. That was a song that kind of like it. Oh, oh, there we go. There's my sweet spot. Uh, and and, and like, I just I remember like really loving that that ending lyric of pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. And it was like, oh. I fucking love that. That's incredible. Rent out, bought the album the same day and I've just basically been a fan ever since. Went back and obviously got Turbine Blade um, and then was there for good Apollo releasing. So, yeah, like good good fucking stuff my mine is very very simple uh and ph coheed how you find so coheed has been around i've been there i want to say since the beginning but in the background mm-hmm. like i never never went out and listened to an album but i i this is like for me 2002 would be i guess is around the time uh i guess i'm a freshman in high school and uh all this is when you're starting to learn the different groups and mm-hmm. it seemed like the the artsy kids had uh i can remember the the, the album cover for turbine blade like uh, like that cd yeah um that they would have in their book bag and then uh then later on when i'm starting to get more and more into music um kind of because i i grew up where my my grandparents were very protective on what I would listen to, but eventually I was old enough that when they were working, I would put it on like VH1 uh, and watch music videos. And I remember uh, seeing um, uh, uh, Fever House Atlantic, mm. seeing the video for that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and uh, enjoying that, but not quite taken with the group yet. And... As, a, as, as my taste was developing, uh, I started getting into Modest Mouse. And, and people were like, oh, you like Modest Mouse? You should also get into Cody and Cambria. And I, I always thought that was an interesting that's, parallel. That's like, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I've always, I, I always, I always, I was like, I, I've never, I've never quite kind of figured that out. And so when I would listen to Coheed, it, I was like, not really you know i'm not connecting with it in the same way i do with modest mouse yeah Um, but they've always been around and i've had friends who play guitar they would give me like uh there was like i guess a greatest hits volume in the late 2009 like a one of those cheap looking there were black and white ones you saw in walmart oh those are the essentials essentials. yes (laughs) they had like 10 songs and they were just like the mm -hmm. most basic bitch songs yes yes i remember having having uh was given that and i'd listen to it okay but still not quite connecting Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be until i discovered a podcast uh called the socks cast um polly i think you're familiar i might be familiar with the socks yes um and there's this one person uh on on that cast who was just waxing poetic about uh good apollo mm. uh volume one and i uh i was like all right all right john thyer this one i'm gonna i i respect your taste uh, a lot and i'm gonna go out on a limb and i'm really gonna listen to coheed for once in my life like i'm gonna actually sit down and listen and analyze mm-hmm. and um 
really it's because of John Thayer that wow. the, my fandom started to really, really grow. So it's like this really positive association when I listen to that album. I think about really getting into the Sox cast, really getting into those early episodes. Because oh, uh, wow. that's, when, that's when I remember uh, it being discussed the most. Mm. Um, and especially John, I think yeah. John at the time must have been really when that album stuck really with John. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. still one of his favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it just kind of took off from there. Again, it's all the I, I I can I can I know I was around. I remember the songs playing, but it's just nothing I was I was deeply into. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of sitting down with uh, Burning Star Four Volume One. I'd work out to that album. Yeah, I just, it's good I would, workout I, album. I, I, I would just get, uh, I would just get, I would, times I get happy, but then the more raging moments of like, oh, I'm going to push more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it, it, it really became, the bug got me. God, and, uh, yeah. Here I am, so. Here you are. So the Sox cast was yeah. your end to Coheed and Cambria. Well, isn't that mm-hmm. rad? Well, isn't that rad? So, uh, Vaxus 2 is, of course, the second part of a five-part epic that we're currently locked into. Vaxus Act 1, The Unheavenly Creatures, came out in 2018, I want to say, and it did pretty well for itself on our end-of-the-year list. I can't remember where I put it. It was Taylor's... I think you were four and I yeah. was one. It was, it was your album of the year, and it was number four for me, and that was a pretty strong year uh, for releases anyway. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll be the dissenting voice. I don't care for Vaxus 1. I, well, I was just wow. about to say, like, I, I, as I was about I, to I say, it's it, pretty fondly looked upon, right? And, I, but, I put it, I put it with Year of the Black Rainbow and with Color Before the Sun. Oh, whoa. Okay, it so, has, it has good they songs. dropped a big bomb. <laughs> I, I was I, not I expecting start, that right off the bat. I will start this. <clears throat> My, the way I judge albums is very different maybe from other people. Mm-hmm. So the way I judge albums and very much probably based on the fact that I love concept albums, is it's not on the strength of its singles, and it's no. not even fully strength on the songs themselves. It's how the well can I listen to the album from beginning yep. to end in full? There's my problem and with Vaxus Act 1. Vaxus is, is pretty... A lot of the songs are just feel like they're just a little too long. It's bloated as fuck. It's a seventy nine. It it's a seventy nine minute album. Yeah, and Vax's two is like under an hour, and actually, it it serves it so much better. All right, hear me out, Doobie. Hear, hear <laughs> me out. What if what if we took off Black Sunday, Queen Definitely. of the Queen of the Dark, Queen of the Dark, take out toys, Love Protocol. Yo, man, I'm throwing up some objections. Up and and Lucky Stars. Because because Old Flames it deserves to be the closer for that album. Old okay. Flames is, I mean, because for me, like that album is Dark Scent. And like the four tracks on that album that I will, I love to death. And I'm so, I do really, and they played uh, Gutter live. I mm-hmm. love Gutter. I love the Dark Sensor, of course, because it's your classic I mean, intro. I mean, that's your classic, yeah. Epic. Like, it's, it's up there with really, like, now this is because I'm gonna keep referencing how I saw them live this year, and and their set list was that my brain always goes. Coheed always opens up with a long song, yeah, yeah. so it's either they're gonna open up with um, Dominant the Destitute, Century the Defiant, Century the Defiant. They'll open with um, in, in Keeping Secrets, of yeah. course, because oh, it's another yeah. epic, or Dark Sensor, and they open with Dark Sensor, and I'm like, it makes sense. It's the Vaxus Two tour. 
Yeah. Lo and behold, they also played in Keeping Secrets, which was like, oh, we're getting two long songs in this set yeah. list. I'm down for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but like, I love Dark Sensor. I love The Gutter. I love um, Pavilion, Long Way Home, and mm -hmm. I love Old Flames. And yeah. I love, 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 love that the intro song to Axis Two is essentially oh yeah, a yeah, yeah. Of we'll Old get to Flames. that. Like, we'll get to that. We'll that, get to that. That alone is such a uh, that that alone I think serves my purpose. That Old Flame should have been the ender, the yeah. closing song on that album. Yeah. Um. But for me, Vax is like uh, the way I judge albums is is very much from first track to last to the track. End. Yeah, yeah. And listening to the whole experience, and Vaxis really falls short for me on that. Right. Vaxis one, that is. Uh, Vaxis two, absolutely freaking love this album. Yeah. So we got me and Doobie on one side of the Vaxis one argument. Let's <laughs> let's let's give the floor uh, for a couple minutes to, to, to PH and, and Taylor. Cause I figure that the, the Vaxis X one is still pretty strong for them. I know that, um, Mr. Psychic Heist put this on the same level as good Apollo one on a tier list that he just did. So, uh, you can give us a little bit on that. Uh, we'll let you have that moment, even though you're wrong. No, y'all are crazy. Nah. <laughs> Unheavenly un creatures is great. Mm. I like, I, I rarely want to skip a track on, <laughs> on, on on that album like and it's so weird because i don't like long albums mm -hmm. in general like uh like when we get to over an hour in an album i'm i'm like all right you better you better have something for it like and i'm always compelled when i listen to unheavenly creatures i love the melodies i it's it goes against the grain i know it's that it's it's bloated and i shouldn't like that but i just i mean come on like Dark Sinister is so classic. Unheavenly Creature Toys. I'm looking at the track list again. Just like, I I do agree. I think Old Flames makes more sense as the closer, mm -hmm. especially, especially for like sequ sequential, like storytelling, you know, purposes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know though. I, I think it's, I think it is great, refreshing coheed that, you know, that I'm surprised that we got, you know, just because it is, it is, is it is the longer songs um, that that kind of brings me back to that era of of uh, Good Apollo mm. and um, Keeping Secrets. You know, it's just I love it. I love I love the guitar work. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm going to repeat myself. Just <laughs> guitar work and melodies and just epic feelings and. You know, just there's some of the licks, like the pavilion, you know, that dun 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 dun, dun like oh come on. Like it's it's so good. Good um, good Apollo one. Good Apollo <laughs> one is also a seventy plus minute album and I never fear that I never feel that album's length. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that too. Um I definitely for me though, like I said, I think it's just the strength of the songs yeah. when it comes to yeah. and Good I just, Apollo I one just, one and maybe the nostalgia because it was the first album sure. for me. Taylor. All right. I'm not as strong in favor of it as Psychic Heist is. Because I think that you could cut Queen of the Dark and Lucky Stars. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Queen of the Dark is so, like, kind of boring and monotonous, and the vocal performance is a little embarrassing. Yeah. And Lucky Stars is. Uh, Lucky Stars, I lump in with uh, Pearl of the Stars and a few Ooh. other. I know Polly <laughs> likes that song, but 
I do. I do. It's that's a personal thing, though. Yeah. There's a few Coheed ballads I'm not in favor of. <laughs> it, at least it's not far. Yeah. I, I mean, I can I can I can, an, I can analogize far to a couple of songs on this album we're about to talk to her about. But. All right, but um, <laughs> uh, um, but, but 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 you're still mostly pretty positive on on the first act, though. Oh yeah, I think it's for the most part. I think it's upper mid tier coheed. Mm. It's all. I think I think what would have made it stylistically i think if there had been some more up-tempo songs yes. that could maybe cut down that uh running time a little bit maybe go. we'd all be closer to the same page that's my problem is that vaxus one is so entrenched in this mid temp mid slow to mid tempo dirge that they've just been kind of stuck in for a while um and you really didn't get broken out of that until like right at the end of the album uh with old flames for the most part the middle on on vaxus one so who knows how the chips may fall for vaxus <laughs> two as we go ahead and we dive into the intro track the embers of fire this is what i believe to be a solid little opener and i love that this is calling back to one of the best songs on vaxus this calls back to old flames and i hope that this becomes a touchstone for the rest of the vaxus saga as i hope that this is the leitmotif that they keep bringing back that main melody uh from old flames it's such a strong melody and theme uh well, how, oh, yeah. how does everybody else feel about like the this, this album kicking off the way that it does with embers of fire I think it's excellent. I think it does exactly what an intro should do in like just getting you ready mm -hmm. for the album. It's kind of like when you go see like a Star Wars movie and the main theme hits and you see the title <laughs> open yeah. corral. You know, it's it's just it's big, it is loud, uh it's overproduced but in a good way. Yeah. Um there's a there's a scream uh, that you that you hear when just before Claudio starts singing, yeah, and it's like we're 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 only about fifty four seconds in this album, and I I already want to cry. Is that like, not I am, that is a callback to the crowing? Is it not? I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's the first time you heard that nasty inward scream. Yeah, mm. yeah. Or maybe actually no, I think it was. Oh fuck! What's that second stage song? Delirium the, Trigger? I, I know what you're talking no, about. No, it's... Anyway. Uh, Here Shot Kid Disaster. Okay, that's oh, the one. yeah. That's yeah, one, that's one okay. Right, yeah. yeah. That's one of those I do not return to very much tracks. <laughs> um, also, uh, the first voice we hear on the album is actually Atlas. Uh, it's actually... It's, <laughs> actually it's actually his son, and I think that's really, really cute. And you're saying he's got, he's got auto-tune. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which I understand. <laughs> He's not hitting. He, I don't think a child of, of of five years old is going to be able to hit. You know the the that that's that vocal line. So I I get it. I I think it's actually a really cute. We'll touch upon the auto tune later as well. But I but yeah but yeah. What about you, Derby? What do you think um, about this as an opener? Openers are always super interesting for Koei because they're always like they've always been kind of weird whether yeah. it's, it's we go back to keeping secrets of i love the, the two minutes of midnight where it's like it opens up with a phone call yeah like a real phone call <laughs> uh, but i mean i love the callback to old flames because it is probably one of my favorite tracks from vaxis one mm-hmm. um and i think it does a really good job of showing to the audience that we are that this is of course a continuation um but it does this really, really unique job of like, I'm not going to skip it. Yeah. It, normally, I would be okay with just whatevering the intro track. I typically okay, do. Cool, yeah. But, um, yeah. I want to get to the, to, the, to the songs. I play this one out every time. I will play this one out because one, Old Flames is just so good. Yeah. And, and this does feel like that, that Star Wars style mm-hmm. crawl of like episode two crawl into our opening track. The beautiful losers. That's not how that goes, is it? Wait, no, I, can't, I, can't, no. I can't make a Marilyn Manson reference in 2022. That's probably not good. Well, maybe that's why Muse released that one song so we can go the will of the people instead. The will of the people. The will of the people. Will of the people. What the fuck is I, I can't help but think of <laughs> wrestling when I hear that song. I understand. Yeah, they were. Yeah, because my parents. the intro to SmackDown for WWE. Yep. Uh, F at the time, I think. Yeah, my parents so my parents were devout WWF watchers, and I do remember coming <laughs> downstairs one day and be like, is that are they playing Marilyn Manson? What? Yeah, that's that was a long time ago. But we jump into the actual opener proper, beautiful losers, and as an opener, I'm I hmm I feel weird about it. Because I feel that, like, we've talked about Koheed's penchant for openers here already. With you know, well, Do I even need to bring up Welcome Home? Right? Yeah. Like, and, like... That's a good one. Look, it means, I, I would argue, the last track that actually got radio play before this album. Right, right. Like, Pretty and, much. <laughs> and, and, like, again, it's this band's history of openers, and this just kind of feels like any other track on any other Koheed record. Uh, and it didn't set a good. It reminds me of the broken. 
it didn't set a good precedent for me because it was just like, oh, cool, the first actual track is a slow mid-tempo song. Uh oh. Mm. So my first time, mm. and and I. I, I did everything I could to avoid singles leading up to this. I listened to Shoulders and I hated it at first. So I just I was like, I'm not listening to anything else until the damn thing's out. <laughs> I just got to yeah. wait. Yeah, um, I have my own issue with, with a single, but we'll get to that when we get to that action. Oh, track. I know what one you're talking about, too. Uh, but um, Beautiful Losers, it's just like, I like this song now. I, I sing along to it every time. It's fine. But it's just like, as it sits as an opener, it kind of just doesn't have it, that swagger that all of their openers tend to have. It bucks the trend for sure of like your dark sentence here, your welcome home, your in keeping secrets of Silent Earth three of your your time consumer, Death, time consumer. It, it's it's not a long track. It's not an epic track. Nah. Um, but for me, like the chorus. It's yeah, so it's good. it's so triumphant. Like oh, it's, it's definitely so wonderful. I will say this: a lot of the choruses that they write in this album are are just hooky as fuck. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Um, I like that this song is a reflection on the band and and just like the 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 fact that they've stuck this out for twenty years and this song kind of feels like it's coming from that. Uh, when you read this the lyrics. This is the 20 year anniversary too. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, this song uh, yeah. feels like, you know, like, hey, like we are the beautiful losers that, you know, we stuck it out and we're here now. We're still here doing this. And that's a lot of the vibe that I get from this track. Uh, how about you, Taylor or PH? Who else wants to go? I think I already kind of spilled my beans. I compare it to the to broken. The bro- <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's mm-hmm. better than the broken, but I just think to myself, yeah, if this was if if this was the concert opener, oh, no. it wouldn't get me as hyped. No. Be terrible. Don't yeah. ever open with this one. No. <laughs> and I don't think they do. I think they were they, I think they've been opening with the dark Dark Sentence. Yeah, time. this whole this whole tour, and I'll reference it back, but I have looked at the set lists for mm-hmm. other shows. It's the same set list pretty much yeah. for every show. Yeah. Um I caught them. I will. I will discuss pre-release this year, Uh, so I got a much different set list. Okay. See the set list I saw, and and we'll get into it. They do play some of the new tracks live. Um, I'll make mention when we get to those tracks how I felt about them Mm -hmm, live, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the fact that I feel like there was a missed opportunity. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, I've peeked at a few set lists, and I think the missed opportunity might be close. But uh, Psychic Eyes, what do you think of Beautiful Losers? I think I'm kind of on the same page as y'all. It's to me, I, I, this is an album that just, instead of getting you right into it, it's like a gentle warm up. Yeah. you know, I think yeah. that's why it's, this one that, that's its basement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the course is great. You know, it's, there's, it's, it's, it's got a good, nice course about it. Um, I do think there's, it needs a little more oomph. Yeah. Um, Paul, you mentioned drums before. Oh, this is going to be a constant. This is going to be a constant complaint for me with this record. No, and that, I can't unhear it after you made that comment. Like, that snare drum. The snare drum on a lot of these songs should be breaking my head in half. The way that the snare drum did on. Uh, I know you guys like at least Taylor and PH remember the Nova Twins record that I floated this year. Like that album got some fucking drums. 
Yeah. yeah. This album needs those drums. And the thing is, the drums for this album are tuned well. They're mixed and mic'd well, but they're just so buried under the guitars that they have no oomph whatsoever. Yeah, and I also think uh, Claudio's voice throughout this album, mm-hmm. uh, it takes up a lot of real estate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's a shame for the drums because if you... Like when you hear what you're hearing, like oh my god, you can clearly tell that Eppard is having a blast he, playing on the album, and he doesn't use a double bass pedal. And when you hear some nope. of the and you when you hear some of the kick drum stuff he is doing on this album, and I know the technique he uses because I can do it, uh, but that to keep that up consistently is very hard. It's very hard on the ankle. Uh, but the way he works that into this album and makes it sound like he's playing a double bass pedal is just incredible. They're they're all talented musicians. Oh and god, I've yeah. been lucky enough to I've been lucky enough to meet Eppard before. Yeah. Um, oh, he's so fucking humble. He's a great dude. I got a signed copy of his Weird Science yeah! album. Yeah. Nice. Um, but uh, you could just tell like he is having the time of his life yeah. right now. Yeah. And it's just a shame that you can't hear it all the time yeah. because it's buried. Yep. That that's really a big problem we're gonna run into with this album a lot. Uh, any final thoughts? On Beautiful Losers. I wouldn't say it's one of the best tracks. It's not one of the worst tracks either. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, th- I think it does its job as a warm up. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think Coheed was just trying to do something a little bit different um, compared to, I guess, their the more classic openers. Yeah. Yeah, this album was definitely about going against the grain and and, and having no limitations. So I get that. Um, It's just, yeah. It just kind of swings and misses as, you know, with the competition that it has to stand up against as an opener. say that um, if you tell me that at any point since this album's release that you have not had this next song stuck in your head at least once you're a fucking liar how are we feeling (laughs) how do we feel about comatose other than psychic heist's wrong opinion uh this is one of my favorite songs on the album this this track fucking bops this would be my favorite out of all the singles they released. This one's my favorite. Yeah. Um. Yeah, oh, cool. I was gonna call it prog pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really. But it's, yeah. It it's super, but I love that it's super up tempo and it's got one of those earwarming choruses that you just cherish from a band like Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, this one. This one's just straight for the jugular. You want a fucking rock song? Here's a goddamn rock song. Um, th th that's just what I love about it. It's catchy as fuck. It's just, hey, like, these guys can put out a hook. These guys can, they can wow you with technical wizardry um, yeah, with, without, without it ever coming off as, as, as self-indulgent wankery. And then, oh, it's also just super catchy. And it'll get stuck in your fucking head. But you, Doobie? Yeah, and this, and then I'm going to go back to it. Like, this is... I wish they had played this live. Yeah, this is yeah, not on the set list. They, didn't on, they did not play this one live. And because I always love to hear the new songs live. Because yeah. sometimes they're different. Sometimes they disappoint. Sometimes you're like, no, this is clearly going to be... That's a staple. A staple. And, and there, there's a few on here that are, I can easily see being staples. But like, I would have loved for this. And this, I, this wasn't even my, my missed opportunity, uh, surprisingly enough, mm. about the live show. Mm. But looking back on it, because I have my set list in front of me, like, I would, I would have loved to have heard this live. Um, but this is such a fun, catchy song. It's got enough going for it, proggy, and like it's just it's it's enough proggy to to satisfy that itch. Yeah. While also being up tempo and poppy with a yet again another catchy chorus. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. This is it's it's probably probably my favorite of the singles. And then we'll. It barely beats out the second song on my favorite singles for mm. like that top spot of the singles, yeah, at yeah. least. Because we'll get to that one, and <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like Comatose, super strong. I I'm big fan, big fan. All right, PH. Land on like us. I feel like you're mad at me. <laughs> no, not at all. It's all about having opinions, and it's totally look. Like, Taylor can no. Taylor can hey. tell you that your la one of your albums for a month was fucking homework. We're probably fine. <laughs> um. So just because it, this I, this hasn't really been a song I can say it's been like catchy, like it's been like kind of come up in my head randomly, mm -hmm. like other songs on this album, like. Still, this is a great song. Uh, it's a really, just a really good co-lead song. Um, it's that's just very bouncy. It's super tight. It's it's kind of like we're seeing Coheed at this new level of songwriting where yeah. they've really kind of mastered this type of song, and yeah. you're just seeing this the new operating system of it. You know, yeah. Um, it's yeah. just it's very slick. Uh, Got to say, when I hear it. I, th I do think of the Coheed video game that they had. Um, that was like this browser run game. Oh, yeah. Um, before before this album dropped. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I think this song, I think video game music. And I think of the, like, it's a running platformer. Yeah. Like, where you're like, you're dodging stuff. And it's like, it perfectly soundtracks that. Uh, mm -hmm. It definitely has that vibe. But, you know, it's it's got a really nice slick hook to it. Um and yeah, it I, I would I would definitely put it in the category of one of the best tracks of the album.
that. We move on to the next track, Shoulders, which my, my first initial thought was, oh, hey, it's a better stab at the hard sell. <laughs> I've seen the hard sell yeah, live, actually... and I was like, really? <laughs> oh, God. Speaking Ooh. of live, maybe kind of like the hard sell, this, this song is better on the album. Oh, wow. It's, wow. I wasn't impressed live. I don't think the effects on the guitar that really drive home the mix, mm -hmm. like the mix on the album is just really it's, fun for me the, with the guitar. The, the, guitar tone, the guitar tone for this out for, for this, for this track in particular is just very menacing. It's huge. It is a wall of fucking distortion and sound. Yeah. Um, and you, you miss out on that live. Yeah. Yeah. That's because this is an, this is an octave down fuzz. Yeah. So the problem is that when you're yep. playing live and you're going to be playing really loud in mono yeah. with basses and drums mm -hmm. is the sound guy is dumping all that low end right out of yep. the guitars. Yeah, <laughs> it does not yeah. have the kick that it needs to have. Yeah, like I, I love this song on the album. I really yeah, do. It's fantastic. I love the sound, but, but live, I'm like, you know what? I, I would be fine if they just don't play this live. Mm. I saw this one live when I saw them in February, but I wasn't super familiar with that with it yet. So I was just like, oh, hey, new song. They they debuted another song that hadn't been released as a single yet, but we'll get to that. Mm. Um, I, I, um, I guess I, this I, this was the first single, I believe. And yeah. I, I remember a lot of radio play. I remember hearing this song the first time. And like, I don't like this at all. I just, I remember Doobie messaged me just Our all excited. He was so excited. I was like, dude, it's just another mid-tempo bleh of a song. But, <laughs> but this is me. I am not a singles person. I, yeah. I want everything in context. And uh, like with, with it in context, the, the play, in the placement on this album, this song fucking soars and shines. And I love it. Oh, yeah. And again, it's got yeah. that nasty growl on the guitar, like when it's kicking into uh, verses. Is that wow? Oh, and it's that, so. The opening riff is just. It, it's oh, just, it's so satisfying. It is a, such a fun riff. I and again, the drums ruin it a bit for me because again, that snare should be splitting my head wide open on this song on those upbeats because this song is a monster. Yeah. And. It just doesn't, you know, like the song needed that extra bit of oomph with the drums. PH, how do you feel about shoulders? I'm going to start out with two compliments. Okay. One, I think the soaring chorus of you're going out of your way. Like, I mm -hmm. think that is so catchy. Oh, it's yeah, that gets stuck that in my head way more than I thought. Very strong. And, it, and it, it, it gets stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give it that. And I think it's very strong and it's very fun to sing along to. Yep. Funny enough, the second compliment is that I, I actually enjoyed this song when they played it live. Oh. Compared to the album version. Interesting. Um, so uh, my compliments are going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, I like, the, I like the chorus, but everything else about this track, I just find grating oh wow did you it, like the hard sell from uh from the color before the sun or did you not like it's that not great. it's not great yeah no, like it's this is great. that like this is just version two of that to me and to me it's oh yeah. it's way better <laughs> well it's, but i don't i don't know what it is about this there's something about the vocal mix in it mm -hmm. that i just find 
really obnoxious and too much. Mm. Like, and I, and I get everyone has their kinks and really be into that. <laughs> I'm not here to shame, but good lord, it's just too smothering and obnoxious for me. Um, and it's it really it really it feels like it's one of the worst songs I've heard of the year. Like I just yeah. I, 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 I really have a, an intense physical reaction when I hear. This, and it sucks because I do like the chorus. I think right. that's a great payoff. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, and I remember like I was playing this album in the car and this song played and my, my son was like, Dad, I'm done with this album. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> like, it, it was just too much. Too overdone for my taste. I never hear about Claudio Sanchez's hairy ass crack the rest of my life. It'll still be too fucking soon. I'm never recovering from that. And you know that dude's gotta be hairy, you know right? It. I mean, you look at the hair in his it. head. <laughs> That's the most colorful uh, description of a song I think we've had on this show before for somebody that didn't like huh. something. Definitely gonna have to step your game up now because we, we're literally talking about musicians' hairy ass cracks. I, for one, like this song. Mm -hmm. I would say this is definitely, it's clearly a mixed for radio type oh, song. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's why they led off with it. Yeah, yeah. Song. Like, this is like, like you pat, you like, there are a lot of albums where sometimes they will have the lead single engineered by a, a more pop-oriented engineer. I know that, I remember, like, back in the, uh, the late 90s, I know Slipknot did that with both Wait and Bleed and Left Behind, is that they had some other producer, like, mix the radio version so that it's not as screamy. Uh, I remember that being a thing. And that's, like, that's almost what this sounds like. Is it like, oh, there's, like, a, this sounds much different than the rest of the album in a lot of ways. Like, funny enough, uh, Wait and Bleed is probably my favorite Slipknot song. There you go. It's probably because you heard that radio version and we're like, oh, hey, that's really cool. I think it is. Mm. I will say for this track as well, um, it's a really short solo, but yeah. Travis, oh, I love the solo from Travis on this one. Yeah, yeah. Love it when he gets a chance to go off and it's really good. Yeah, even though it's a pretty short one, yeah. it's it's interesting, it's fun. I, I, I really dig Travis uh, when he gets a chance to shine. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Coheed songs need more guitar solos. They absolutely do. Like it's something that they mm -hmm. did a lot of back in the day, and they've kind of like, I guess, in trying to get more story into their songs, I think they've sacrificed that element of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of songwriting. Uh, it's what it kind of seems like, like to me, anyway. Yeah. Show off a little bit once in a while. <laughs> yeah, like, like, look, we've seen Claudio Sanchez play his guitar with his teeth and behind his head. We know this guy can, like, like let these guys rip. Come on, like. Yeah, I mean this. I mean this album. Uh, a few tracks in here we'll talk about when we get to them. But yeah. like, uh, Zach's bass definitely. I feel like it stands out a lot more than what they used to let. I can't remember the old bassist name. The one who Mike Todd. Yeah, I feel like they've let Zach really go off on his own on some of these tracks i think he's just a more adventurous basis i think he's just a more adventurous basis and he really. brings a lot more funk to it which yeah. hey i love funk bass yeah yeah definitely i'm a big Wolfpack fan so there you go
to the next track, which I'm, I'm interested in where this one's got to go because I've not heard anybody really talk about it, so I'm not sure of anybody's thoughts. A Disappearing Act, the first track where it's just kind of like, oh, oh, oh yeah. this is basically what if Coheed cosplayed Muse but ended up being way better than Muse. I was going to say VNV Nation, but having also recently listened to that new Muse record, I can definitely see where you're coming from. There's definitely VNV Nation here, but I kind of went with the Muse comparison just because this isn't like a straight-up electronic track. Um, so mm. that's kind of uh, where we're at with that. I, I was going to say, like, I, I this, this track... I had a feeling when I heard the album was going to be like, this is going to be a divisive track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is. There's right? going to be a lot of, I thought there was going to be a lot of old heads going to be like, this isn't Coheed. Yeah. You know Why what? is they Eddie playing keyboards? <laughs> right. Well, I, I, and I, and like, they pulled this one out live, and you know what? I seeing Coheed, seeing Claudio play the keyboards live, so fun. Yeah, that's that's something I've been expecting. so into it, and they were dancing and having a great time. Yeah, yeah. This is also where we start running into uh, the auto-tune uh, quite a bit more on Claudio's vocals. Uh, and thankfully, it's not overused on this track or this album to the point where, like, like you go listen to the, the, the most recent uh, Prizefighter Inferno record. Uh, it's just every song is a warbly vocal mess because, oh, like, Claudio just got found a new toy. He's like Tom York. Every time Tom York finds a new keyboard <laughs> that he likes. Yeah, no, I mean, he had an I remember he did an interview and he was talking about the keyboard. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of found this keyboard, like, on the street. And I decided, you know, what kind of want it. I'm going to grab it. Yeah. Learn it and use it. <laughs> Yeah, like, and, and, and it worked out uh, for this song. It's just a fun pop song. It's got, like, an unconventional hook. Yeah. Um, it earwormed me a few times. I, I definitely get that, you know, long, long ways from giving up. Like, that gets stuck in my head way more than I thought it would. I this will say that not even just the chorus, but, like, the, was the part where it's, like, um, a world in limbo waiting waiting Opening for up us. a world in limbo waiting to waiting open for us. For it's just super catchy. Yeah. It's an earworm. Yeah. Um, that one gets stuck in my head quite frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, the autotune is like, it's an artistic decision. Yeah. It's not like he needs it. Like, we all know. Claudio does not need autotune. The man has pipes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's definitely it's, it's, anytime it's used here, it's for, it's for effect. I yeah, think the auto tune on this album is actually well used. It's very for tasteful. For. Yeah. 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 There's only a very very small handful of times i can say that auto-tune is like used correctly or used in a good way yeah um say what you will separate art from artists uh in this case but 808s and heartbreak mm. uses it very well kanye actually uses auto-tune very well on that album um and then t-pain just is freaking t-pain and t-pain can sing yeah. even without auto-tune but yeah. it just oh, yes, works he can. yeah that dude got pipes yeah 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 he doesn't even need it but it works for him mm -hmm. and he uses it very effectively yeah made him a lot I, of money oh yeah oh yeah yeah the, the where auto-tune gets sinister is not where you can hear the machinery working trying to jump between two notes Ooh, that fast yeah, yeah it's where it's where you're going through 
slicing the entire waveform into its transients and correcting yeah. every single note. And I, I have oh, had to do, as somebody who has had to do that as part of engineering, let me tell you, it's not a fun process, both from an artistic standpoint and just from the fact that it's just very, very tedious. Uh, yeah. PH, a disappearing act. So I think this song, like sonically, right, is kind of like the most removed from everything. Oh else yeah, really. yeah. This is yeah, still like wildly you, you feel different. it. You yeah, you feel it instantly. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know where the fandom is on the on it now, but I do seem to remember parts of where that like this did divide the fans because yeah. it was just sort of like whoa I like was, day one was, this is definitely the outlier yeah like i was watching this movie and then suddenly we're we're we're, we're in another genre for like yeah. five minutes you know <laughs> um but i i've actually i i i i think the song's fine mm-hmm. i think it's 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 i don't think it's not my favorite i don't think it's particularly great if anything it's i feel like it reminds me of something else like this you know mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of like ch- checking off the boxes but i don't I, I this is like how do i put it coed is is pulling off this sound pretty adu- adequately but not not at a point yet where i feel like they're really putting their voice on it yeah. not like not putting their their true spin they're still they're still learning the tools yeah right. um but you know, I think it's a good safe start, and I think um, with this album, I get a lot of like neon kind of colors in my head, like mm. Tron, and and throughout. So I think it really kind of fits, yeah. uh, fits with what they're going for, even if it is kind of removed. Um, and I, I and I'd actually I'd like to see them develop more in this direction. Uh, for future albums. I think that's uh, probably going to happen. This song feels <laughs> like an indicator to me. This felt like the taste test track to me. <laughs> I feel like the next album, we're going to hear a lot more of this. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in that, you mm-hmm. know, and I, and I hope they pull it off because I'm always, I'm, I'm there for the artist. I'm always for an artist. Taking new directions. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like that's always yeah. a good thing. Yeah, and then Coheed is kind of the band that I would trust to do that. Sure. Because they have a respect for, not just for the audience, they have a respect for their previous material as well, yeah. where they know where they came from and they know how to properly explore new frontiers while also bringing everybody who's been with them for along for the ride still. Yeah. I think if Coheed was going to go all German on us, they probably should have started with Rammstein instead of VNV Nation, yeah. and it would have sold to their audience better. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Something a little more genty. Yeah, no Kraftwerk? Yeah. Kraftwerk Some... could work, yeah. Kraftwerk. Yeah, yeah. But so... yeah, I, I dug this one. It's It was an interesting experiment, I think, yeah. and it is very catchy, so it doesn't just feel like a throwaway track. Yeah. I think if this was on any other album of theirs, it would. N- no. It's one of those parts for me. It's like in this album, it feels it right. feels like it deserves. It belongs in this album. If it was it had been something like on Vax's one, Mm-mm. it would have been totally. It would have been opposite. so weird. That got that got the big poop face from me. Yeah. <laughs> Have we come to an understanding? The 
Next track, which is one of my personal favorites on the album, Love Murder One. Uh, like the 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 verses for this song, like this, what they're doing with the verses is is the thing that stands out the most to me. It's just it's the most like they start the song with just the, the an acapella hook, and that leads you to think that this song is going to be one thing, and then that burst kicks in. With that staccato rhythm that they're going with, the guitar work just being real noodly and just kind of just like, what? I wasn't expecting this at all. What in the world is going on? And then you launch into the chorus again, like being shot off an aircraft carrier. Uh, this song, another one of those, like just constantly stuck in my fucking head. Like if you see me <laughs> bleeding, leave me alone. Like, yes, please. It's such a good song. It's such great imagery too. It's just somebody like just so uh, it's just like I imagine like somebody so poisonous in your life that you're just literally if you see me dying on the street, just please fucking ignore me. Like it's just such a good fucking track. Uh, how do you feel about Love Murder One? Well, for me, um when I get to this point of the album, I feel like the pairing of these songs, uh, Love, Murder, One, and then Blood. Mm -hmm. um, I, for me, it's kind of, I feel like we're kind of going into Coheed Cruise Control. Um, Thank like you. These, like, these songs do not do too much to add to the overall album experience. Mm -hmm. um, they just seem, seem to kind of pad things out. But I will say, of the two, I like this one a lot better yeah. than Blood. Um, and I think like what really does it for me is the baseline. Mm. Um, and it's one of the, for me, it's like the really big distinct moment of the basis to shine on the album. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. and, it, and, it, and I guess that, cause it reminds me so much, like I could hear this baseline from something like, uh, the cure, like yeah. the bassist, uh, Simon Gallup would do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it does have a good hook. It's got a really nice hook. Um, so yeah, I don't think of this song when I think of this album, but I don't mind it when I get to it. Mm. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be an odd poll, but I compare. I think the verses, because of what the drums and bass are doing, almost remind me of certain moments from Fugazi. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That definitely feels like a touchstone, and I think that like that would absolutely be in Claudio Sanchez's wheelhouse. Oh yeah, that's it. That see, that just seems like something they would like. Like a Fugazi-ish, yeah. or maybe, uh, and eh, maybe not Swerve Driver. There's a few other Swerve Driver moments on this album, though. But I dig it. It's uh, yeah, I like the I really like a catchy chorus once in a while, and this album's got a couple of them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doobie, so, uh, love murder one. My first, my compliment. Uh, I love 
the bass work. Mm-hmm. I am huge. This is one of my probably one of my favorite songs on this album for bass. Um, I have a very small understanding of the bass. I own a bass. Mm-hmm. I can read sheet music. Um, but I, I've always been my favorite instrument. So I love what the bass is doing in this album and in this song specifically. Um, and the drums along with it, mm-hmm. uh, Josh and Zach are really in sync. Yeah. Um, but between this and blood, this is probably the part of the album where it's like, I, like I said, cruise control. Yeah. This does somewhat, if it wasn't for, if the bass and the drums weren't as fun as they were, this would be just generic coheed song. Yeah. For me. Yeah. It's, it's just, this is a, a gen, not, not in a bad way of, you know, it's bad. It's just, we're kind of this is what i expect it's nothing super stands out um there are pieces of it i like um and this is not the low point uh blood is the low point oh yeah absolutely i think that um but after coming off of you know beautiful losers comatose shoulders disappearing act and then this one kind of just doesn't it doesn't continue that high it definitely kind of this is the low point of the uh for me like these next two songs are the little point of the album this is kind of our our down yeah i think we're in we're in the middle of like the story it's kind of like okay things are happening but it's it is it's just there yeah i i I get that it's definitely one of my favorite tracks but i understand that you know like calling it coheed by the numbers is not like like i can absolutely acknowledge that being the fact but i also just like okay but also coheed by the numbers is still usually pretty really good (laughs) yeah when i say that vaxis one color before the sun and near the black rainbow are my least favorite albums they're still my least favorite albums i still put them above so many other bands yeah yeah I haven't listened to Black Rainbow since we did it for the original album that, Listening Club. That was, <laughs> that was, that was, that was, that was just, 2015, so... Uh, actually, no, I, I lie. In February, they played Here We Are Juggernaut, so I guess technically Man, I listened to some Black Rainbow this they, year. They still pull that one out. <sighs> did they play I still that like that much? song. It's one, of my, it's one of my few highlights on that album, but... I'm I'm never gonna get in the flame of error. I saw them on the Black Rainbow tour and they didn't play it. Oof. <laughs> uh, I saw I I saw them when they did uh, a Never Ender and they did Here We Are Juggernaut acoustic and that oh. was actually really good. Okay. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd take that. I'd try that out for size. That sounds okay. Yeah, I did. Uh... When I went to Oakland in 2017 for the Good Apollo Volume One Never Ender tour, but I believe the encores were like Number City and In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something like that. I mean, when I saw them, it was uh, that one was I'm trying to remember. That was uh, Second Stage Turbine Blade Never Ender. They did a, a 10 song opening uh, set acoustically that was like Here We Are Juggernaut, uh, a few Davenport confessional songs from Travis, mm. a couple Prize Fighter Inferno songs. They did all of In Keeping Secret. I'm just saying, Second Stage Turbine Blade. And then the closer was Elf Tower, New Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good. That just, was just bizarre. Phenomenal. <laughs> That's probably the best show I've seen. Is there anyone in there? Desired, left to be. 
We kind of touched on this one on the last track. We have Blood. Uh, this is kind of lowest point of the album for me anyway. It's just kind of, again, it's that vein of slow to mid-tempo stuff that I just don't need any more of from Coheed right no now. No matter how, no matter no how, how far. It's a ballad. It's a ballad. <laughs> It's a ballad. It's like it's it's got he it's got the every album. got the electronics in there. It's you know this could have probably just stayed in its demo form and maybe just been a prize fighter inferno song. It's not my least favorite song of the album. No. no. <laughs> uh yeah, this but, one's just kind of here. What about you, Taylor? Yeah, I just eh. It's just kind of eh, isn't it? I don't it? skip it's it. It's not particularly... I don't, I don't skip it or anything. It's just, you know, it's just kind of there. It's it's a wallpaper song. I won't call it the least <laughs> memorable song on the album. Hmm. I'll mention that when we get to it. But no. yeah, this is just a... Let's put it this way. This is the kind of stuff like if this had been a double album, this is the kind of thing I would be complaining about. Because <laughs> I'm the infamous double album hater. Because yeah. double albums always have songs like this that should have been left on the cutting yeah. room floor yeah. for a B sides and rarities collection ten years after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. This is that song. This is that song. I feel like that's why I'm glad After Man, even though it's a double album, they split up the yeah, releases. It feels like those two albums, like despite the fact that they're, I guess, supposed to be one album, they still, they're different enough yeah. from one another that they feel like two albums, which was great because I, you got a cool new album four months after a cool album. And, and oh, you're yeah. not wrong there with double albums because like I, going back to Nine Inch Nails, I, was, I actually had to, my friend on vacation. Be very careful if what this you mother, If say. this motherfucker, if you say what I think you're going to say about the fragile. Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails double album, probably one of my least favorite We're albums. out. We're done. All right, Dr. Doobie, it was fun having <laughs> you on the show. Is over. We will, uh... I, I'm, I'm in the minority. I put hesitation marks as one of my top three Nine Inch Nails albums. Oh my albums. God, <laughs> get off of my podcast! <laughs> what did I say? Are you trying to make Polly mad on purpose? <laughs> I mean, I still, like I still like hesitation. I still like hesitation marks, but <laughs> Pretty Hate Machine's up there too. I love that album. Right, Pretty Hate Machine is fantastic. As is the Fragile, uh, you fucking philistine. Shit! <laughs> not only do I have the Fragile on vinyl, I have the yep. Fragile Deviations on vinyl. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, uh, good. One of these days, I'm going to spend the three hundred dollars it'll cost to get... to get Good Apollo. Yeah. Even though the fucking vinyl <laughs> mix still it. doesn't sound great. <laughs> Yeah, that can unfortunately. That album, still as well as this album, are both compressed to the fucking only hell. The album I have on vinyl is the Downward Spiral. That's a good. That's a good vinyl. Yeah. Ph. Yeah. Blood. Blood. This is the one what? I want. This is the one you like, isn't it? <laughs> what? What about blood? What about blood? 
Um, <laughs> I don't got nothing to say about blood. It <laughs> it it doesn't make me feel anything. Yeah. It, it's. I think in a, in a in a in its quiet, unassuming way, it's it could be like the worst song on the album just because of that quality. Yeah. That it's a it's a big old nothing. Um, Chorus states it, plainly. It won't matter to us. <laughs> That's how it feels with this song. Yeah. I mean, it's it, a, doesn't, it's a it doesn't like give, you know, it's not bad in the way that sh- I find shoulders to be or a couple of songs we're, we, we're yet to talk about. Oh, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just, it's bad in its own, you know, I was like, I. Every time I listen to this album, I'm like, oh yeah, this will, this song's on here, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I gotta say about blood. Sorry, nothing else. I got no, I got nothing for it. I really don't. Yeah, that makes it's it a ballad. Mm-hmm. It, it's a ballad, and it's honestly, in my opinion, one of his weakest ballads. Yeah, it's just kind of there. I love far, but like, actually, I actually love far. Mm-hmm. Um. But if you were to compare Far and this one, I'm taking Far a million times. Yeah, this one. yeah, I would take Far over Blood. consider the back half of the album now we kick off with the liars club and i'm gonna say that if you tell me that at any point since the album's released that you haven't had this song stuck in your head at least once you're a fucking liar mm-hmm. uh-oh you're right <laughs> okay bye, all bye. right higher and higher no, this, this album this song is the live version is going to be a state yeah it was so good. The crowd was so into it. The the drops into the chorus, like you could just see the crowd just moshing away at it. It was so. This is probably the standout live track mm. from this album. Yeah. Yeah. So remember how I said I saw them earlier this year, but it was back in February when we really, I think, only had shoulders out. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I think my show may have been the live debut of this song. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. So it was pretty fun. Yeah. And I I dig this song. This song kind of fills that 33 gap that's been sorely missing from a lot of their records. One of my favorite tracks of theirs, and they just don't do things like that anymore. And that was like the first thing that Liars Club reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I, there's a lot of reminiscence of for me of like some stuff off of of like the poppy and keeping secrets mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. in this song. Yeah, 
if that makes sense. Yeah, no, oh, I yeah. absolutely like, hear a it. A bit of a Blood Rage yeah. plumber. Yeah, it's a bit of three, a Fever House three evils kind of thing. Three evils, three absolutely. Evils, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they, it just shows that they still have it for that kind of style. Yeah. And I, I just love the, like, like the, lyrical, uh, the, uh, the lyrical passage of, because life feels so much better when we just avoid the truth. It's just like, oh, ah, yeah. that's so good. Uh, and, but he's singing it in such a sing-songy, happy way. Like, this song is by all means just like, you know, like, this is like bottom of the, like, you know, this is like we are having a lot of relationship problems songs, you know? Yeah. But it's so, ha- and I, I'm I'm always a sucker for that, just like where it's just like, it it's very poppy. Like, those those verses are just so It's like, what the fuck? But then you go read the lyrics and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just like two minutes and Nate, like da 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 da, kill your family with a knife. <laughs> Deep in disgrace, where empty retreats farther in, it seems to be. Oh, the older I creak, the pain in my body, longing for the days in my teens. Fuck! But he's singing yeah. it. But he's singing it so happily. Great. Oh, it, this is such a fan. This song is a bop and a half. Yeah, I might be pretty partial to this one as well because um so they did a uh, alternate music video version of the song yeah. the live performance. Yeah. Uh, I'm in that video. What? Uh, oh, yeah, nice. the, yeah, the the first show that I went to uh was at the Orange Peel in Asheville and I found myself too. <laughs> oh my god. I watched that version literally just a day ago. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, I can I can pinpoint myself in the crowd. There's uh, a so, yeah. there's a there's a Muse DVD um, that came out back. I can't remember what album it came with, but there was a recording of a song on there, and I'm in the crowd, and I was able to find myself on that. Oh so. yeah, it's just, it's just like oh, I'm a part of the experience. That's so uh, cool. Yeah, you can see me on you can see me on a YouTube video that's official because the band was doing like a tour documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't associate with the people I'm standing with anymore. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. I'm just going to leave that one at that. <laughs> uh, but and it's like this, oh. I'm like front fucking row. I'm pretty obvious. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, for, for the for the song itself. Like absolutely, this song is the jam. Yeah. Um, and for me, outside of the final three song run, it's to me it's the catchiest, yeah. and it's one of the best is songs as far as the singles go. Yep. Uh, yeah. If if there's any anything that it, that it uh took me something to kind of leap over the first few times I listened to it was the uh. Baby, are you okay? Uh, oh. Part. <laughs> Flash my memory back to Alien Ant Farms right. cover Michael Jackson Smooth Criminal. Uh, just gonna a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah. It might. It's probably. It's probably. I don't know. I that don't feels know. intentional to me. Yeah, yeah, it probably it is. It probably is. Uh, because throughout Coe, they're they're referencing. Their oh yeah. Pretty clearly. Um. There was a recent rig rundown where he talked about how, oh, yeah, there's a lot of cashmere in Welcome Home, which is part of why I use the double neck. Imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, and of course, the big, you know, do you want me to lie? Mm -hmm. Like, 
that's just as about as strong and anthemic of a course as you'd want from Coheed. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. this is uh, this is an absolute standout. And the way they make it, and, and the way they just drop into that sometimes, where like the instrumental stops and you just come right into it on the downbeat, just yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's the shit. Any final thoughts? It, it, it's hard for me to like. Comatose is probably my favorite of the singles, mm-hmm. but this one is like right behind it. Mm. Um, it's really, it's it really almost is a one A one B situation between those two in terms of the singles they released. Yeah. That and, and like Claudio has talked about this song a lot in interviews, and he keeps mentioning that he was he wrote and recorded this entirely while very very high. Uh, and I think <laughs> you definitely get that impression from this instrumental. It's 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 this is a kind of a heavier full band prize fighter inferno song with with auto tune and electronics framing most of the song. Uh, I like the chorus. I, I think it's got a I think it's got a fun chorus. Um, uh, the, the verses are just kind of, I don't know. Again, when you mix Prize Fighter and you mix Coheed, I don't know that they go together well, like, a lot of the time. Um, but I don't hate the song. I, like, this isn't like, I think we, we are out of the, 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 the kind of like the worst part of the album, which is those two tracks right before Liars Club. Um, or, or just, the, yeah, Blood and... Um, uh, no, that's no, just blood. Anyway, love. Oh yeah, I like Love Murder one, but I know that it kind of maybe yeah, we didn't... like love. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, blood. Blood is so long and boring that it feels like two songs. I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, the good thing here is this is a, sh- a shorter. This song is short. Like and and again, I don't hate this song at all. I like the chorus. Like I sing along to that chorus. I think it's fun. Um, I, I just like it. Like it, it's not wonderful, that... but I like it. I'm glad that Liars Club at least breaks up the two songs before oh, it. And this one, yeah. If it was the, if it was, uh, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Love, Love Murder, Murder one. one into Blood into Badman. Oh, oh my god! Oh. A brutal stretch of three songs. That would have been fucking brutal. Yeah, would have been really brutal. Thank, really, Liars Club is such a is such a bop that it saves yeah. the pacing of the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pulls us back on track. Three, you because wanna... if it had been those three, and then you get Liars Club into Our Love, and then the bangers of three, yeah, that would have been like a okay. This album is top heavy in the front and back ends, but the middle's crap. got a floppy middle section. A real <laughs> yeah. good Apollo Volume Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, that is that is the. the Am I the one that just thinks that Apollo Two is totally fine? Am I the one that kind of like I like that record? I've I've actually grown more fond of Volume Two since its release. Mm -hmm. At first, I I generally did not care for the album, and I think over the over the years, I've actually grown to like it more. I think that the album, I think that the, 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 the suite of tracks that end volume two are very weak. I think that that's kind of my biggest problem with that album is I think it's a very weak outro to kind of this whole thing that they'd set up for four albums. Um, yeah, it's been unsatisfying. It's not as, it's not as grandiose and cool as it should have been. Um, it's not the winning well. No, oh, God, what can be? Well, though? nothing it's, is. Fuck, yeah, man, the, the willing well, well is just, that's unassailable. <laughs> The Willing Well is fucking unassailable. Incidentally, when I saw them in February, they did something I had always wanted them to do, which is the last two songs before the encore were End Complete 3 and Final Cut. I got that at the Nashville show as well. That was amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, that's so good. when When they do things like that, it's really awesome, and that's... When we get to the end of this album is where my last missed... The missed opportunity is for the live show. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. PH, what did you think about Bad Man? So, as of recording this podcast, and I guess this album's been out for over two months mm-hmm. now. And in the two months of listening to this record, I just still can't really make heads or tails of how I feel about this song. <laughs> but the fact that you said that Claudio was really high. Was like, oh, that's what I needed. That's that's the context I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to me, this is like another butt rock song, like Shoulders. <laughs> uh, oh no, he's bringing it back. I'm, hold on, let me get my fucking gas mask. But no pun intended. Um, it's not nearly as grating or obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, if I find myself singing along to it, I also kind of wince for myself for doing so because I I'd I'd be a little embarrassed and self conscious if someone caught me listening to uh <laughs> listening to the song. Uh-huh. Uh so I think my conclusion is that Bad Man is a bad song, but like in a schlocky fun way. That's really the energy I get from like look listen to uh, these listen to these chorus lyrics. When you need a bad man, a bad mama watch your mouth, they'll yeah, think twice yeah, about messing with you. Like, <laughs> like, like I generally I genuinely think that that is schlocky in such a fun way. A bad mama watch your mouth. Oh boy! For Claudio, who made Jesse's girl too? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I it, forgot about Jesse's. Totally girl too. fits. <laughs> like it. This feels like it's his homage to like I'm gonna make an '80s schlocky song. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently the demos for this song leaked and they were really fucking bad. And a lot of people <laughs> saw that it was gonna be on the album and were like, "Oh no." <laughs> Well, but, I want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I never yeah. tracked that down, but apparently, like, it was on the. I remember reading it on a Reddit when the album came out. It's like, oh, it's not awful like the demo version. It's still not good. This, but the demo. This whole album leaked early. Yeah. And even Claudio recognized, like, he even acknowledged it. And he's like, it, just don't talk about it, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to say, this is not my least favorite song. But mm. uh, this is the song I think is the least memorable. I cannot picture it in my head. Mm. I would agree with that. It's understandable. Interesting. I get it. I get it. 
I think blood more suits that, but hmm. yeah. Good call. Hey, hey, we all got opinions here. It's fine. I almost feel like blood is just boring enough to remember. Mm. I a don't never remember is... that one. <laughs> yeah, like I'll remember that Blood's only album, but Bad Man, I always, anytime I listen to the album in full, it's like, oh yeah, that's this song. Oh yeah. Watch your mouth. I love won't surrender to the odds up against us. No, but the sun. Take a chance on forever. I'm reliving all those days you love so well. Totally hoping I became the one you felt. For worse or better, I would never dishonor. Give you all the ammo that you want, you deserve so. And I'll be better once the arrow hits hard. Give you the wedding that you want, you are so. Moving on to our next track, which um, oh yeah, it's more of a transitionary track. And again, to me, this kind of feels like, hey, you got your Prize Fighter Inferno track in my Coheed record again. Um, <laughs> this is a song yeah, that I, I just straight up dog shit hated. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, this song blows. Skip it. I I don't hate this song. Um, it is. I, what I appreciate the song, and we were talking earlier a little bit about positioning. Yeah. I think this this song serves its purpose well. Yeah, it's doing what it, like, it is a palate cleanser. It's obviously, get, it's the gate before you step into what will become, like, the last 20 minutes of the like album. You've, you've had your poppy, your, you've had your poppiness, you've had your fun dancing songs, you've had, you know, your ballad. Here's a palate cleanser because we're about to go through 20 minutes of melt, find face fucking mind melting just gonna be three songs in a row of, of craziness we have to palette we yeah. have to palette cleanse i get but it I, was, I, I will say this i was listening to the album on the way home from vacation mm-hmm. in my car it's like about a little over an hour drive from where i was so mm-hmm. perfect album to put on yeah and uh, maybe it's because i spent some time with my brother and his wife and i was talking about it it's like listening to this song was like if I ever met somebody in my life that was as big of a Coheed fan as I am, mm-hmm. and I got married, mm-hmm. I would almost argue that I would want to have my first dance to an acoustic <laughs> version of this song because it. I was kind of crying a little oh. bit in the car listening to it. Like oh. I don't know, maybe it hit something in me. Maybe like it did happen. But sometimes. it is, and I, I I say acoustic because like. The song has a bit of a like a drums in it at the near the end. And yeah. I'm like, you know, if you're having a first dance at a wedding, you wouldn't want that. No. But like I would love to hear an acoustic version of this song. Yeah. Uh but but as a song compared to the rest of the album, it's not that great. Yeah. Like the, uh, the, the I Claudio, really appreciate the uh, A quote from Claudio about this track says, I thought that it would be a good segue piece because in this moment is where our characters are decided to sort of enter the lion's den to acquire the thing that they feel could help their son. And it's like, yeah, like I get it. That's kind of the moment. Like you can side you can sort of see that in a movie. Doesn't make a great song. Mm. <laughs> nah. No. No. Not at all. PH, what do you yeah. think of our love? Uh I talked about this a little bit before. 
I'm talking uh, about um, mine and your love, by the way. Our love. Oh, I, lo I love. Oh, I love our love. I, I love our I blossoming. Love, I love our love. love. Our love is yeah, so I loving. Love it is very loving. Okay, but now uh, the song. The song. You can okay. talk about. Oh the yeah, song. yeah, yeah. All right. Um. So this is the Post Malone jam. Of the record. Um. This song is also like this is like when Andy Dufresne is crawling through the tunnel of shit near the end of Shawshank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you just gotta get through it, you know. Yeah. You just gotta get through. I forget how many football fields of shit, <laughs> but you gotta get through it because once we get out of there, oh man, oh boy, oh boy, is it worth it? Once we reach the other side, things will be things will be good. <laughs> Let's talk about the best song on the album. All right. Let us talk about, like, what is the start oh. of the, the, the next 20 minutes of just prog rock epic goodness? Like, I'm going to start with a disappointment. They didn't play this live. Oh, I would love to have heard this fuck. live. How do you not play a song this fucking strong? At your live yeah, show, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave off with my my missed opportunity. They finished the set list uh, before the encore with the final track. Right. I would love to have had a moment where they played all three of these in a row. Just like that should be the encore, just, right? That oh, yeah. should just be all three songs in a row. Just give me ladders into Nyanasha into Window of the Making Making Mind, like all three in a row. Just melt my brain for twenty minutes, please. That would slay. That yeah. would slay. I mean, and they people have to would do it at some so, point. They have to. So hot after that, yeah, that would just be amazing. Oh, yes, and I then you it, can I end with was... your ubiquitous welcome home yeah. moment. Yeah, you I get think that. It was, yeah, I think the fact of the matter for the show was it was their 20th anniversary, so they're like they wanted to give. And I have the the thing here, like the last three songs before "Window of the Waking Mind" was "Everything Evil," my favorite song mm, of right. time. Yeah. Into Blood Red Summer, into Favorite House Atlantic. Mm. And I think because they wanted to celebrate their 20 years, give the fans what they wanted, yeah. they did that. Yeah. Part of me is like, with the exception of Everything Evil, because it's my favorite Koei song of all time. <laughs> yeah. I would staple. gladly have yeah. traded Blood Red Summer and Favorite House Atlantic for, for Ladders and Nyanasha. Yeah. Yeah. To hear yeah. them live in full. Blood Red Summer would have killed me because I haven't gotten that one before. When I when I saw oh, them man, this year, so they played live, June though. song provision of all things, and I was oh, like, "Wait, what? This yeah. song really?" Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was surprised I they played same. everything evil. <laughs> I was so shocked they played everything. 
I think I've, I've seen everything evil yeah. at every show I've, of theirs I've seen. I get it. I think like I think I can only think of one show I did not get everything evil at, and I know because like that is like uh, that is like always a moment where it's just like the fans are singing the song, like and, oh, and, so and that always sticks out to me. I go there and I expect everything evil. So good, but yeah, like the, the lattice of supremacy though is just this oh. song. Fucking slap it's so a, hard. It is a hawking giant steamrolling through a city of a song. It just it really it, harkens it, back to the heavier cuts of Good Apollo One. That proggy goodness, like you don't get your first lyric until like what a minute and a half, two and, two and a half minutes, long, two and a half minutes. Just give me all that just good ass instrumental. Oh, it's such a good lead up. <sighs> Yeah, and you still got you still got your catchiness in your chorus bits. Yep. But mm-hmm. yeah, you just got such mean fucking instrumental mm. work on this one. Mm, this is a song that is just so fucking angry at you. It is a hulking beast of a song. They, they and sing. I really like the mixing on the vocals. It almost yeah. makes it sound like it's getting shouted over a megaphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's actually yeah. really, really cool. And this definitely feels like if if this album had been constructed any differently, like this is the kind of what we expect of that that big prog sound song at the beginning of the album. Yeah, this absolutely sounds where, like it would be an opener. And this and this mm-hmm. is kind of where, where I was talking to some people as well. It was like going in from these being the last three tracks being like this after having that poppy beginning, like going into Vax's three. Are they going to continue off of the three song end mm. into Vax's three? Because um, it's like the construction of this album is so interesting because you they front loaded a lot of the yeah. poppiness. In here, yeah, yeah. A lot of the catchiness. And then they gave the diehard fans who were there for that proggy goodness the last three songs. Yeah, they and gave they us. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. But I, I just I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, this is really, really cool. PH, Ladders of Supremacy. So every time Ladders of Supremacy starts, I'm like, ah. Here we go. Yeah, I'm like, now the album finally begins. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Red, Uh, like, I I sent the last three tracks. Like, Red is not a Coheed fan, uh, but I mm -hmm. sent him the last three tracks uh, to listen to as just sort of a mini EP, and he fucking loved them. So, and he's a big prog rock guy. So, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, honestly, they work so well together. I, to me, I, I guess it, it could be like just one giant song in a way. They just work. I um, feel that this and Nainasha are like these two kind of just feel like one song smush that, that have been cut in yeah. half. Because oh, yeah. these two yeah. songs are split down the fucking middle. Like they're joined at the mm. hip, which is really That's weird true. because Nainasha was a fucking single. And, and Nyanasha yeah, is where yeah. my problem comes from singles. Yeah. I think Nyanasha is a fucking awful single. Awful single. It makes listed, no sense as a single. It no. does not. And but where it is in the album, kind of like how you probably were with shoulders. Where it is in the album, I absolutely love Nyanasha. Right. Yeah. But as a single, I fucking I hated the single. Yeah. I came out I'm like, this is not this well, is I, I I is clearly this is part of something else. Yeah. I want to hear the whole thing. Yeah, it just kicks like it literally is just like a seamless transition into Nyanasha, which is just like you start the next song. It's just the, the next note starts playing and he immediately just starts singing like it's the next verse of Ladders of Supremacy. 
So when you start that, when you start that as you're single, like it just sounds incomplete. Like you're missing something. Like where did the buildup for this come from? Yeah, I was say lattice supremacy. I don't know why. Like when I hear it, it, it and this is the it brings me back to the good parts, at least for me, of of Afterman. Yeah, I get a lot of Afterman feelings from ladders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but the good feelings from Afterman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When no, no, it shines, yeah. it shines really well. Yeah. And I love I love that that sound still kind of permeates. And I definitely do. Part of me thinks because I think Afterman was the first album with Zach on bass. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Zach's addition to the band, I think it goes. I don't think it's appreciated enough. Mm-hmm. I think he's brought a lot of things to the band that that aren't always surface level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was like, I. And not to badmouth Mike, uh, you know, he's had his issues. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of like Zach better. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I like what Mike does on his years with the band. I think that it sounds fine. Um, I just think Zach is much better for where they are now. And I don't know that if Mike would have yeah. slotted in as well. Uh, with where the band went uh, there's a very like, like I don't want to go too in-depth on the playing styles like there's a lot of difference in how they both approach that instrument and how they approach um, an instrumental um, and it's largely just like methods and and like how they kind of like like who plays to the kick drum who is doing something much more different you know like Zach is much more free form whereas mm-hmm. Mike plays to the kick drum a lot Um and I think that Zach's playing is just a lot more um, involved. It's a lot more exciting. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And I kind of feel like Coheed as a band has been pushing towards different things, doing things. Absolutely. I mean, clearly doing things differently. And I think Zach bringing some of that free form in has helped them kind of explore new territory. Yeah, and yeah not be as afraid to stay within their means, but to really push what they're doing. Yeah. 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 I mean, in terms of baselines, I think Mike's playing on second stage was really interesting. But after that, there's only a few, like there's one slap on the suffering. And that's my memory of Mike Todd after second stage. Yeah. He's just like, like (laughs) God bless the guy, you know, he's gone through his shit. You know, you know. The suffering was the first song of the encore. Yeah, <laughs> and welcome home was the second song of the encore. Of course, when I saw them live. Yeah, and yeah. the suffering is, God, that out that song is for an all time. That's iconic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is an I'd iconic. That we, live. Yeah. we had a project on high school in our our senior year of high school English course was like if you could make a a movie of the book we've read and I think we were doing The Great Gatsby. It's like who would you cast? And uh, what music would you pick? Mm. And my casting had like Leonardo DiCaprio. This mm. was before the movie came out. Right. I had Leo in it. Because <laughs> I'm a mind reader. There you go. And but my song was The Suffering. That makes sense.
So we kind of sandwiched Nanasha, uh, Nanasha <laughs> together uh, with Ladders of Supremacy. But again, they're so tied at the hip, said, you can't. The thing I, I want to talk just a little bit more about mm-hmm. Ladders mm-hmm. Um, is that... Uh, so I don't pay attention much to the lore that much. I right. just kind of create... I create my own movie. That's what I, I do. <laughs> and I don't know if they're connected narratively or not, but the you know how um, from Unheavenly Creatures, the opener, Dark Sinister, has this ominous opening yeah. section yeah. to that song? I feel like Ladders sort of extends from that a little bit. Like yeah. when I hear just just the drama of it. Um, kind of like how psychedelic, psychedelic guitars can get. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it just—I don't know if if Dark Sinister is like the big bad. This is the facing off to the big bad right here in my mind when it yeah. comes to my own little movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, to me, it's just like a damn good villainous JRPG boss <laughs> song. Um, and you know what always gets stuck in my head is you got heart, but sorry, Stop just ain't meant to yeah. be. There you go. One down the ladders of supremacy. Yeah, yeah, that's just that pops in my head a lot yeah it's, it's um, definitely it's definitely very interesting because like vaxis 2 is part two of the five part series yeah, right yeah. like this was five parts and vaxis is the main character but throughout most of one he's not even born yet in the first yeah. album mm-hmm. in this album he's essentially in a coma for like the entire time yeah yeah like he doesn't wake up until the i believe like the window of the waking mind is him waking up yeah so it's wild that your main character or at least who the character the story's about really isn't a main character until like the end of the second volume. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really Which is interesting. super interesting mm-hmm. just from a a, a story from the storytelling kind of point of story. view. Yeah, yeah. Which is I mean, a funnier character than we've ever had before, but if we can get him working, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm just a lore nerd. Yeah, like, Polly knows this because I'm such a big fan of of Kiseki, like the trail series like extensive world building is so up my alley yeah yeah and claudio does that work like like god bless him like you know despite the fact that all of these songs you know like they 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 do they are about his own grounded experiences in real life he's good at taking those moments from his life and turning them into the fiction and making them those kinds of songs you know where you've got both readings and i think that that's always been an interesting thing about him as a lyricist that i've always enjoyed uh, i may not follow the story i make a, i make it up in my head as we go and I, I i think that i'm pretty close to what's going on most of the time uh and it's still like i still get that cool experience of getting the movie part even if i'm not you know following it to the letter um so i think that like yeah like the world building the character stuff like it definitely comes through So um, again, like I, like I was saying, we sandwiched them. To, we sandwiched it together um, with 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 uh, ladders of supremacy. But rise, Ninasha, uh, cut the cord. Kind of like the second half of that song. I think really kind of said most of what we could say about that one. Really, yeah. Or is there anything more specific other than how it's just kind of ladders you know. of supremacy part two? Really. Yeah, like, I guess Ladders of Supremacy is kind of the, you know, uh, we're about to give into despair. Yeah. Um, uh, but but this is like the moment where, don't give up, you know? Yeah. Um, like, where the hope starts to blossom. Yeah. Uh, uh, even if it 
if it's kind of bittersweet. I feel like a big sacrifice is going on here mm-hmm. um, in my own little movie, mm-hmm. it, you know, in my in, in my head. Um, as for the song itself, when it, when it was first released as a single, I actually, for me, it was kind of a sigh of relief because, you know, after Shoulders, I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is more like, this is easy on the ears, comfort food, Kobe, you know? But it didn't really... It didn't really stick out to me as a song that I would love until, like you all have already mentioned, until its place. Yeah. uh, With within, and then it's all of a sudden it's just it takes off. It's yeah. It's it's astoundingly amazing. Like it's it really is elevated, um, where it is in the record. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think probably one of the best examples you could give to someone and be like, hey, I don't listen to singles because of moments like this you know yeah um yeah but uh yeah and i just god i love that just the descending little zigzag guitar lick going on mm. you know, the verses and another good chorus just another good chorus i love yeah. the melodrama um fills me with a lot of joy when i hear it even if it's it's a bit of bit of a bittersweet song uh lyrically yeah. like like yeah, and, and this is another in the long line of tracks that claudio has written for his child um it's very obvious <laughs> when you know you yeah. get to you know like like the chorus is just very much you know yeah I, okay i, I get be, it i can't be the only one that gets stuck in my head i'll be your great destroyer yeah, yeah yep. it's real good yep. it's oh, real good, good. And like I said, I, I have a feeling, I wonder if they put this one out as the second single. It's just kind of a like, hey, longtime fans, we've got you. We got you. Still. You're still going to get a thing. I think they should have just went with Ladders of Supremacy if they wanted to put out a song like this. I would agree with that. Or just done like a lot of bands do like, 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 like short films where you just put these two tracks together and make a small movie out of that. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, like. You gotta if you're gonna if they're gonna play it's one of those things too like if they're gonna play one one of two, the two of the songs live they have to play the other like yeah it's, it's one song in it, my opinion the, yeah that that's how I feel about it these are just it, it, it like, these two it. songs are just like there's one movement which is the ladders of supremacy and then there's the next movement which is rise Nyanasha. It's a twelve-minute yeah. epic. Yeah, that's. See, I think what someone needs to do is introduce Claudio to Ice Nine Kills. Yes, <laughs> with all of the little <laughs> movies they made of the silver screen. For the silver screen, now, yeah. I think we might be creating a monster if we do that, but I think it's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like Ice Nine Kills does a lot of good work on their music videos and 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 making these short form movies. And I think that Claudio would have so much fun if they like invested in doing shit like that. I'll take you home. This child of ours, I'll take you home With all my love, I'll give you the world And keep no secrets from you
All right, so we're going to finally move on to 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 the big the big one. The, the, Here we the are. big one. A window of the waking mind. The final track of the record is the most wildly prog Code Heat has been in years. Oh yeah. This song just yeah, goes bonkers with transitions and and various sections. You just this is a song you don't easily sum it's, up. Like, I will play you a minute of this song during the final edit of this podcast, but that is not, you are not going to get the picture that this song is portraying. It's like yeah. five parts. It is like six movements, I think. Yeah, six. And it's wild. This song hit me in a way the first time I heard it. There is a transition right into the final portion of the song uh where we go from this this quiet part uh it's uh, part five the mother uh that goes into the father there's this the lyric that's like shine uh, shine your love on all this crazy and then they kick into that last final jaunty mm. dancey part when oh, i yeah. got to that the first time it hit me in such a way that i literally had to stand up from my seat and just that hit me it was just this moment like i don't want to be pretentious and call it a religious experience because i think that people a lot of people say that and it just comes off as silly but that's one of those close moments where it was just like oh my god that transition just destroyed me as a person (laughs) it's kind of fun with these like with with coheed where like like I said earlier, with like one of the songs, like Ladders feeling like a little bit like Afterman, mm-hmm. the guitars in the intro first like minute and a half, yeah, bring me back to Good Apollo Volume Two, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's when they do things like that, it's like it makes me as a longtime fan not I say feel valid, mm-hmm. but it's just like I feel rewarded, yeah. For having been with the band for so long, where I yeah. feel like I can get emotions from from these different albums in something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, uh, this song's also got. Uh, I think a lot of this album, I think, um, actually deals with neurodivergence, um, and I think that Vaxus as a character is supposed to kind of represent that as this child that is uh, basically born comatose, but also is aware uh and exists in all times and places at once um that's sort of like the conceit that's going on and i don't know if claudio's child in any way is neurodivergent i know that he's talked about his own neurodivergence um leading into this album and like the 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 uh the mother portion of the lyrics is something is like it is a part of this song that kind of just always gets me every time Mm -hmm. it's like i'll take you home this child of ours uh, I'll take you home with all my love. I'll give you the world and keep no secrets from you. So life gets tough, but it's no excuse or your fault. My brightest star, shine your light on us all. Am I wrong or did you save me? Shine your light on all this crazy. And it's just like, I feel that like you could give this album and this song to parents who have maybe come into having a child with with, with some sort of neurodivergence and sort of like, it recontextualizes that it takes that from being a bad thing that i think a lot of people would see it as and shows that like you know you're this unique person who is all of your own and that's this whole song it is a refrain of you know there's no one quite like you um 
it's something and i just thought that that was a beautiful message intended or not um like just this whole final track as a whole is just a, a, an amazing piece of work and i think that when it's contextualized in that way i think adds so much more intended or not again it could be, be my own but it just kind of feels mm-hmm. like there's something there um to that but i'll i will i'll leave uh, to whoever else would like the floor on this final track uh please i'm not crying you're crying (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. this gets me every time (laughs) yeah um yeah this is this is not just the best moment on the album but i think it's one of the best album finales uh, of this year absolutely as well as well as one of the very best compositions that coed and cambria have ever ever done yeah it's right up there yeah i mean it to me it it is the closest of standing toe to toe with the 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 willing the willing well, well uh, absolutely yeah series um and you know there it's what am I about to say here look I'm 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 gonna be real dumb I guess <laughs> okay know? like okay. I've been re- I've just been I'm just been really fucking dense this whole time <laughs> um uh. I don't know why I didn't really pick up on this before. And I think like there's this close marriage between prog rock and a rock opera. And I think of prog rock as more jammy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of a, a, a rock opera as a little more uh, theatrical, but a tighter, less jam parts, but we can do crazy uh, compositions yeah. in a long form of song. And so when, when I first experienced this track, I flipped out mm-hmm. because it, overt, overtly, it overtly references the Who's Tommy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, Coheed pulls from classic rock. All the from fucking the 60s, time. 70, yeah, from, from, from bands like the Who. Absolutely, yeah. But um, there's just... there's. But but the rock opera aspect, I feel like in past work has maybe we've gotten to third base, mm-hmm. and something about this song is like we're we've we're going all the way home. It's yeah. like we're we're still we're still doing the prog rock thing, but it's just tighter. It's more focused. It's very dynamic. It and it works. They work to get, like each movement works together so well. And it's very uh, cohesive. Um, that I, it's to me, it's the most clear picture I have of the story, or I could even see it on a stage being acted out. Absolutely. Um, and I get excited because I'm like, a one, you know, we're seeing a, um, you know, like. We're seeing growth here as songwriters mm-hmm. is what we're is what we're seeing. Twenty years on in, old, and that's incredible. Yes. Yeah, because in, on old Coheed records, a moment like this, this song would have been probably extended even more into like the five parts yeah. that you that that you've seen close on other records. But the fact that you're like, nope, we're just gonna cut to the good here. Yeah. You know, not trying to throw and that's not throwing any shade when they jam. I I like the jams, but I'm Absolutely. saying here here is a maturity. And like a like a really like oh we got it we, we we can nail this we can give you everything you'd want out of good prog rock song in eight minutes and thirty eight seconds yeah and just getting straight to the best parts without losing any of the substance yep and that is just the work of 
like you said, 20 years now, just masters. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and their songwriting has, can show you how strong and how impressive and how exciting it gets from here. Right. Yeah. Because the, this thought of like, what if they write these tighter, more rock opera songs, but now we're going to add in like synths in a like Tron sort of way. Ooh, isn't that exciting? That it is. Like, you know, like what if we go in that direction? Because that would be something I don't think I've really heard. Right. And that's that's something that's for the take. Like they code shown the this is for the taking. Uh, yeah. That they could totally. So it makes the future albums. It's it's like I'm already there for Vaxis 3. Yeah, I'm like, already drooling for Vaxis. I'm going to have to wait yeah, years, you know, and I'm just dying. <sighs> like, oh, no. Um, but take your time. Take your time. Make it good. Um, yeah, this... Uh, and it really, you know, Coheed through the years has always been a little bit hard to define. Uh, you'll get people say, are the emo, hard rock, progressive rock, metalcore, pop punk, like all these genres, like you, yeah. you throw it all in there. Oh, and okay. yeah, they, there are all those things. But to me, with simple clarity, this this track shows the core of what Code and Cambria is. And that's just, they're a rock opera, man. They're a fucking rock opera. And it's awesome. And I, uh, I just was smitten by the end of it. And just like, I'm here for this ever continuing story uh, that Claudio is telling us. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's great. And highly recommend, like, like if, you know, if I put, put a list of like a, a mixtape or mix, I guess, playlist <laughs> um, of Coheed songs to give to someone, this, this track definitely goes on there. It has to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Taylor. Yeah, this is heavyweight Hallmark Coheed stuff. Ooh, yeah. Just absolute. This is essential. Yeah, this is one of those. This is one of those kind of moments. Yeah, yeah. It's like going through everything that we've talked about track by track. Mm -hmm. it's, this album definitely feels like it's more than the it, it's the sum. The sum is greater than the parts. Yeah, like as a, like, as a total whole, like I just kind of came away yeah. from this being like the most I've enjoyed a Coheed record without asterisks in a long time. Yeah, and the, I've explained the way I judge albums, and for me, pacing is very important. Uh, this this is as close to like the highs of Good Apollo and mm -hmm. Keeping Secrets for me that we've had in a long time. And I love Afterman. Uh, but like I'm, I'm probably putting Vaxxas to above the Afterman. Um, I'm, I'm glad they did Color Before the Sun at this point because clearly they needed that between big arcs. Yeah, yeah. If they hadn't done that, maybe it would, maybe their stuff would have become stagnant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can at least appreciate Color Before the Sun for that. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I've. I don't know the last time I was this excited because after Vaxxas won and with how I felt about that album, I was like, okay, I mean, maybe Vaxxas 2 will be good. I don't really know. Like, I'm not, like, I still love the band. Still going to see them live, but like, I hope we get something a little different. And then Vaxxas 2 comes out and I'm just like, I'm revitalized. Okay, like, I'm back. You got me back like, on board. Yeah. When I had kind of like I, the color, when the color before the sun and, and, 
uh, Vaxus one. Like, despite the fact that that still got the number four on my list, I still just like there's a road here that you are on that I'm a little tired of. Um, that I'm wor- I'm road weary from, you know. And 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 this album has that adventure that that sense of adventure musically again especially when you get to those last three tracks which again like those were fucking experience the first time so uh any final thoughts on the final track of window of the waking mind i guess not so with that (laughs) <laughs> let's move on to final thoughts on the album psychic heist i know you got a lot you want to say so let's just air it out let's go you said that fart <sighs> it's just like you just let the last of it out give it one last push oh i'm feeling so good this has <laughs> been a relief um so we've discussed that i like unheavenly creatures a lot mm-hmm. and i feel like an out like uh an, it'd be hard to I always thought it'd be kind of hard to follow up on heavenly creatures. And I, and I still think on heavenly creatures has the better, the better, um, what's the word? Better lineup of songs mm-hmm. than Vaxus two. Cause I think Vaxus two does whiff as an of overall album series. It does whiff. Yes. The last three songs carries the album pretty much on its shoulders. Um, that's not just, <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say the rest of the album doesn't have its its jams. It it does, you know, and I've talked about them. Yeah. But, you know, the the album leaves you feeling really just just alive and high and happy and excited and like, ooh. Um, and I think that's because this is an album where thankfully uh, the band is still growing and yeah. they're still exploring. And so even though there's songs that whiff, I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing for this band's development. Yeah. And um, I will say after re-listening to the whole discography this last week and a half, this album really has a strong sense of character yeah. among, among its peers, <laughs> among the group, <laughs> uh, its brethren of, of albums. <laughs> and... Uh, I could see because of that character of this album, I could see why people would rank it really highly and why um, it could even be your favorite. And I wouldn't even really be, I wouldn't be mad at you at all. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I I understand like there, there is a lot to like about this album because of that sort of newness about it. Um, And so, you know, even though it's it does have this unfortunate middle run of songs, uh, I I am still not averse at all to Koei to continue exploring these new sounds and the genre mixing. And I, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but I I, I have all the faith in the world. I'm, I'm like they are fully capable of integrating these new directions uh, more confidently and smoothly on the next album. Next album, we saw this a little bit. You know, you take it back to keeping secrets of Silent Earth. It, you know, it ends with the pairing of the light and the glass in twenty one thirteen. Yep. As kind of that's the big proggy finale to that album. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the next album, Good Apollo Four, and they do the proggy finale thing ten times better. Oh yeah. And that's 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 the excitement and the potential 
that Vaxus Two brings. It's yeah. like eh, what you did here is you, you, you is good, but I bet you guys could. You got it. You guys could knock yeah. this out even harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I'm just I'm just really excited for the next one, and um, you know, if anything, they could just take a little bit of those uh butt rock spices out you know because you only need a little bit you only need a little bit of butt rock it goes a long way um but yeah other than that i I, there's no denying its final stretch of songs and it's 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 definitely one of the best um album experiences just by those three Mm -hmm. that i've had this year cool uh doobie thoughts on the album as a whole yeah um like I said, coming after Vaxus one, I wasn't sure where we were heading. Um, I was, I mean, as a lore person, very interested in seeing what, what the story was. Um, I have my reservations going forward. Uh, as much as I love Good Apollo Volume One, mm-hmm. from a story and lore aspect, like the writing writer got kind of weird. Yeah, that and this like kind of meta stuff wasn't like it wasn't. But it was done hard. like that. It wasn't done well. Nah. And I hope we avoid that going forward, but I have faith. Yeah. And this album, for me, is paced really well. Like I said, if it, thank God Liars Club exists Ooh. in where it does. Oh, God. If it didn't, yeah. It would have been a totally different story. Um, But, like, there's so many fun bounce backs between Poppy, Proggy, the, the final three songs. You just. I don't care who you are as a Coheed fan. I think every Coheed fan can go, yeah, those yep. three, those are it. Slap and they <laughs> rip, and they are some of the best prog Coheed has done in their, in, in probably since the Willing Well. Yeah. 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 It really, um, really is. And just like, I'm super excited for the future of a band that's 20 years going. Like, it's wild to me because like there are so many bands that are 20 years in 25 years in and mm-hmm. at this point in their career they're fine just playing the hits yeah they're fine just playing the same three songs that got them radio play they'll play some other stuff but they'll just or they'll play an album in full and that's kind of where they'll do yeah he's just pushing the envelope more they they do the album performances but they do them as 10 year anniversary it's very yeah. much you know like it's a special thing for them yeah yeah um and and 20 years and it feels it feels fresh it feels like there's still things they're exploring keyboards exploring auto-tune exploring dance tracks mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to look forward to there's a lot to be excited about and vaxis too absolutely I think has a it makes an argument for me to be in my top five albums of Coheed. Mm-hmm. Top three might be hard. I don't know. But it might be uh, three. I don't know that it makes top three, but I know that this might get into five for sure. Yeah, this is probably my favorite. I mean, just just in terms of music, my favorite album of like the last two or three years. Mm. Wow, pretty good. That's a pretty solid endorsement from twitch.tv slash dr doobie <laughs> um taylor final thoughts on balance i enjoyed this record quite a bit i 
don't know where it falls into my rank list until I've had more time to live with it, really. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's more high points than low points on this album, even if the low points on this album are a little bit mm. yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I said, this is the most that I have enjoyed in uh, a Coheed record in a while without having to have an asterisk by it. Like, you know, like, yeah, I, I like some of Vaxis One, but it has songs I straight up just don't like. Uh, the Color Before the Sun has songs that I straight up just don't like. So, like, when I talk about those records, there's always an asterisk there. Um, they're never going to make another good Apollo One, and I think that it's silly to want them to. But this is, like, the closest that since the Afterman, where i felt like genuinely excited about what is coming next like what are you like like because you've made such an artist you've made such a strong artistic statement with this record that i had the same feelings that i had after like, like going from good apollo one to good apollo two and going from the Afterman albums to what we, what we would get next i mean like, i was excited even if like those follow-ups weren't as strong i was at least i was at least going into those with like oh like this band is like they are at a creative peak and there's so much they could do it's this it's on them to harness that energy and do what they need to do um artistically to kind of keep this ball rolling and i really really want to see him do it yeah yeah so i think that about sums up vaxus 2 uh, a window of the waking mind. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the ride with us. And I, of course, want to thank our special guest, Dr. Doobie, for handing us a bit of your personal time. You just got off vacation and you're dragging your ass here to do like a two and a half hour, three hour <laughs> podcast with a bunch of people that like I, you don't know two of us. So you were a good sport. I hope you had a lot of fun. Um and, you know, hey, maybe there will be something we can do down the line in the future again, which would be really, really fun to bring that energy back again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, uh, it's a good thing I got a good night's rest in my own bed last night. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do a podcast being dog fuck tired, believe me. Yeah. You, just, you don't. I'm on the bed that I slept in. Oh, no. This thing creaked every time you made a single movement. It's the worst. <laughs> the worst. Dr. Doobie, where can the internet folks find you at home if they want to keep up with you and your various shenanigans? Sure. Um, I'll do uh, three plugs. Do First it. First off, uh, Twitter. Twitter.com slash Dr. Doobie. That's D-R-D-O-O-B-I-3. Where I, uh, you know, tweet out my stream stuff. I tweet out opinions. I retweet things. I go on long rants. And uh, I definitely show lots of... Uh, Love and retweets to cute anime stuff. <laughs> On Twitch, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Dr. Doobie. That's D-R-D-O-O-B-I-E, where I stream four nights a week. I do Ace Attorney on the weekends. I'm currently on the uh, Spirit of Justice, the last of the mainline Ace Attorneys. Uh, and then also playing Xenoblade. Got Soul Hackers 2 coming up. A uh, bunch of JRPGs coming out recently, so we'll be doing those. And then uh, on my other one on Twitter, you can find us at the First Clear Pod, which is the podcast I do with a good friend of mine, my friend Mike, where we uh, watch for the first time different series. We started with Zeta Gundam. Really love Zeta mm. Gundam. Very slow burn, mm -hmm. but when you get 
16 episodes in, it gets really good and then it stays really good. Um, and now we're working through Dragon Ball GT, and we just finished oh the boy. baby arc, uh. <laughs> which, uh, yet again, first 16 episodes of GT, absolute garbage. <laughs> but the baby arc is super good. I actually think the baby arc is better than some stuff in Z. That's uh, but uh, from what I understand, the Android 17 arc and it's then downhill the from there. arcs go yeah. all downhill. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Um, and we just saw the movie, um, the new Dragon Ball Super superhero movie. Oh, that was so much we're, fun. We're doing a special episode yeah. on that. And uh, yes, we ranked that. I believe I put it right below Broly, but um, definitely I loved it more than I loved Resurrection of F. And I definitely put it just above Battle of Gods. I absolutely yeah. bla- had a blast. I'm also a mega Gohan simp. So same, same. So yeah, it, and Piccolo. I'm a huge Piccolo fan. So if you want to, uh, we'll be pu- uh, publishing that, I believe, either this week or next week. So definitely feel free to hit us up on there. We have our Libsyn uh, link in our Twitter, and you can go check out all our old episodes. We try to keep it to like 50 minutes to an hour. Not us, baby. Not us. That ain't our style. <laughs> you are in for the fucking long haul if you're listening to a Soxcaster or We Like Bad Music Only. Long form. Uh, Taylor, where can the internet folks at home find you? You can find me in the Discord and the Twitter and my own personal music is pending a relaunch that I'll get around to at some point. Cool. Cool. And of course, Psychic Heist. The internet can probably find you in our Discord lurking the music channel, I guess. Oh, don't tell them that. <laughs> why, why would I not <laughs> tell them that? <laughs> they, they know. They already know. They yeah, I'm in the Discord. That's where I'm. He's where like, I'm this is a man that is the smartest among us because he said, fuck social media. <laughs> Oh, trust me, I lurk on social media, but oh, you know, I got you, I got you. Y'all, y'all are the only, y'all are the only people I care about on the internet. So oh, yeah. gosh, well, gosh. Uh, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash polyhead where I get up to various VTuber shenanigans and the podcasts and the like. Um, so yeah, that will do it for us here at We Like Bad Music Only. Thanks for sticking it out to the end, and thanks again to Doctor Doobie for taking time to join us. But in the meantime, I think that you all should listen to more Death Grips. 